Should I do the intro or should, should we talk? Just do the intro and then we can go from there. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to the Film Look Podcast, where we break down films, learn from the pros, and try to become better filmmakers along the way. I'm Christian Foreman, and I'm joined today by Robert Carr and Richard Scott. <laughs> I thought you nearly forgot Maybe. our names there. <laughs> you know you what I was like... doing? I was reading it, and it's got, I'm Robert Carr, and joined by Richard Scott and Christian Foreman, so I was like going to introduce myself as you there. <laughs> And it kind of confused me for a second. <laughs> I mean, you've only known us like a few years now. So. <laughs> no, I didn't know my own name when I was reading it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Rob, interestingly, before we just started this, you were talking about a poll about um, people preferring, possibly preferring to stay at home to watch cinema. Yeah, so there uh, was tell a, me about that. There was a poll on... Uh, oh, North- wait, wait, have we start? What? News and views. Oh, bringing this back. <laughs> Come on, Gaydog. News and views. No, no, no. News and views. No, no, no. This is you imp- So what, what news you got, Rob? This is an impromptu uh, news and views. I've got to find uh, this post now because I've just lost it. Um, so I'm going to have to just make it on the fly, which I did most of the time when we were actually doing news and views. Um, so I still can't find it. Oh, there it is. Um, yeah, there was a poll on No Film School and... Um, the asked the question to a thousand people um, whether or not if you would rather watch movies at home or in the cinema. And seventy percent says they were more likely to watch they were more likely to watch movies at home than go to the cinema. So I'm going to ask this poll between the three of us: what would you rather do? I would prefer I would prefer to go to the cinema all the time. Um, I just don't think there's anything like it. There's nothing like recreating that kind of atmosphere and that tingles you get before the film starts where you've got like uh, all those movie credits coming in and the adverts before, like the anticipation of the film is just not the same when you just stick on a film with, on Netflix, I don't think. And and there's, you're too easily distracted at home as well. I always like play with you're my phone. You're committed, aren't you? Sorry? With, with, with the cinema, you're like committed to it because you've paid for it. You're sitting down, you're in a dark room. The The only trouble with the cinema is... I can't guarantee that there's not going to be an arsehole in the room on his phone. I yeah. do that at home. So that's it, the only, the only real negative. Would you prefer to be at home then? It depends on the film. Like, if, it, if it's like a big movie, I would definitely prefer to go to the cinema. Especially if it's like IMAX and they've like shot something in an IMAX. But like, I wouldn't, like you wouldn't go to the cinema to watch like, binge like six episodes of Friends, would you? Yeah, that's no, true. No, that'd I mean, be quite in, that'd be quite fun. Yeah, I think there's there there is like the balance there as well because there is some things that you would just watch at home. It's easy to watch them at home, but I think in terms of cinema, I would go. You know, I go a lot anyway when we're allowed to. Still in lockdown, like I think I went like forty times the last year um, to, to the cinema and I've seen everything, the good and the bad. There was more bad, so I suppose that's that's not a good thing because you know there isn't. And there, I suppose there isn't as much choice. Sometimes on Netflix, if you've got Netflix, Amazon, and Disney, you've got everything. Like all you miss. Do you think if you're at the cinema, and um, you see so you're standing there in line, and then instead of going to pay for a new release, you had the choice of Netflix. Do you think it would be too difficult to try and watch something in the cinema? If, if you had, if you were like spoiled for choice. If there was choice, possibly, yeah. Um. I think there would be. 
I think, but what, what I think that if there was a balance, like if it went on Netflix, but was also in the cinema, like some of them do get a very, very small run in the cinema and, and then they go on to Netflix, but most of the time it's just straight on Netflix. But I think I would, I would try and see them in the cinema, but I, I, I'd, I'd prefer going to the cinema, but it is, you're right. It's like, who's going to be in there with you? So I always try and avoid, I leave a go to a really, really early screening on a day that's like, I know no one's going to be there. Because I hate people in the cinema. I can't stand them. Yeah, like, me too. Like, I, I I, just don't get it. If you're on your phone, just don't be here. Because um, there's some cinemas where it's like, they've got like IR cameras. And if you pull your phone out, they instantly kick you out. Yeah. And there's like a, like instant no tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. I would I would prefer to go to those screens. You want to be like a fascist, a fascist cinema house. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, why do you need to be would on you, your phone? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, get off your phone. Like, if you're waiting for there an emergency time, phone call, like, you're not going to go to the cinema. Don't go in the cinema. Yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was one guy... Did I call you guys? I don't, know. I don't even remember what film it was. Um, where there was guys videoing the screen. To sh- It was Bad Boys. They, they wanted to sh- go, like, put it on Snapchat. And then, like, he got, like, kicked out, like, straight away, which I thought was really good. Here's a question for you, then. So, say, like, say, like, you want to watch The Matrix. And you could watch it on Netflix at home instantly. Bang. It's right there. You just go upstairs, stick it on. Or you could pay five quid to go to the cinema to see it. Like, now, what well, would you do? Well, last That's a good question. Go on, yeah, go on. I went last year yeah, when they re-released well. The Matrix. I went to the cinema, yeah. I did as well. So... Is that is that because it's like limited release though? Like you're only gonna get to see it at certain points in your life. But what about if you could go any time you wanted? And say whatever. So say you like you want to put a film on now. Would you would you then go, no, I'm gonna pay a bit more money and I'm gonna drive to the cinema and go see it there? I mean I think it depends I'd, what it was. Yeah, you couldn't do that all of the time, obviously, because you just wouldn't have any money. Um <laughs> if you had your own cinema in your house, you know, you could do that all of the time. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, sometimes you do just want to like just sit and slob and eat crisps and probably be on your phone at home while you're watching a film. Sometimes there is there is moments like that. Um, yeah, but- there there is something about kind of being able to control everything around you, like your environment. You can make the room really dark. You can get all your favorite snacks in. You can um, you know you can control everything. Get in your little chair or you can get in bed. Yeah. And there's like there's a nice there's a comforting thing to that. And that's that's that is one way to enjoy a film. I just don't think it's the only way to enjoy a film. And yeah. it'll be a real shame if after this whole COVID stuff that the kind of the way we consume um, films changes drastically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll just bring out another 3D again, won't they? Yeah. So you had like CinemaScope to try and battle TVs, and then they had like what, like 3D to battle uh, VHS, yeah. and then they had like Mega 3D, uh, like Active 3D to combat Netflix. Yeah, and then what, what's and then now they've got like flashy screens and stuff ne- to combat. Next you'll Netflix. be in it. <laughs> next you'll just be in it. They're like. You're actually in the film, so it'll just be like, be part of the film, be in the film, be the well, film. There's those screens where they like have like mist and stuff, don't they? Yeah, it's yeah. 4D, like isn't flashing, it? Yeah, four, yeah, 4D. They used to call it like a romascope back yeah. in the day. Like you scratch it. What was it that had like scratch and sniff every yeah, ten yeah. minutes into the film? Yeah, they would like waft some smells in, or like they'd move your chair, or uh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, because well, now that now that vaping is like a big thing. 
they can make fragrance mm-hmm. like a lot more uh, like instant, can't they? The, and then it like dissipates quite well. They've got like um, things under your seat, so it's like tickle sensors, so it like wafts your like your feet in that, so <laughs> yeah. you're like it's scared. Like, and... If there's like snakes underneath yeah, you or something, yeah, yeah. It, it like I tickles mean, your feet. I would like to experience that. There's actually one close to us in Newcastle. Um, I think in the Cine World or whichever one it is, and it's got that. But there's also um, one where it, the screen's on the side as well. So it's a square. It's obviously just, yeah. and you've got three screens, and it's just, that's just the extended. It just gives you, like, extra field of view. It's, yeah, it's kind of like our peripheral vision. That's what it's like, yeah. but for the for the film. So, um, I mean, I think we'll try that. Stuff. Yeah, that sort of stuff's interesting, but it does. It is a gimmick, isn't it? People just get bored of it very quickly. Yeah. I mean, for uh, example, if we went to the cinema and watched the film that we're going to talk in a bit about, you know, if we've seen that in like four D, like you know, it just would be pointless. There wouldn't be any point to that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, should we do the facts first, and then yep. we'll go on to talking about this week's film, which is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, but yeah, before we talk about that, um, Rich, you go first. Tell me what your fact is this week. Um, okay, right. So, have you ever seen the film The Empire Strikes Back? Yep. Is that one, one of those Star Wars films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if you notice, you know the scene where it's like really dark and like steam coming up? And they like fight each other in the dark, and the lightsabers are like really bright. Is this and when mint. when they're on um, what's that? It's Cloud City. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. When, just probably. Bef- yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So Luke's lightsaber activates immediately, whereas Darth Vader's lightsaber slowly comes up. So this is actually alluding to the fact that Luke is young and can get an erection like that. <laughs> And Darth Vader is an old guy Shut and he up. actually has erectile dysfunction because he was chopped off at the legs in Revenge of the Sith. And it's it's in, in, it's metaphorically saying that he can't get an erection. I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Class. Yeah, it just came out floppy as well. Imagine yeah. <laughs> it's the floppy lightsaber. <laughs> Be like a whip. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rob, be that. Um, we've all seen Home Alone every Christmas. Um, but you know the bandits in Home Alone? Sticky bandits? Yeah. Uh, in the, in, oh, the um, wet bandits. Well, this the is the, f- this is the, the fact. One, yeah, the bandits would definitely, they definitely would die. Oh, would they? Yeah. Oh, the that's, de- yeah, like, that's pr- I think the, that's, the they would have died a, a numerous would've... times, right? Yeah. So I think that pain of Vsauce 3 doing that. That kind of pain in the face, that would that would carve the uh, cave their faces in. Yeah, I mean at one of them turn at one point one of them turns into a skeleton and then comes back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, th- that's my fact. The bandits would definitely have died. There's a there's a you have do you watch Vsauce at all? Yeah, I know Vsauce, yeah. Mm-hmm. So v- Vsauce 3, Jake Jake Roper, he did an episode on it. Um and it's like he does like Would You Survive series and he did Home Alone and he got like, you know, like the anatomical models with the ballistic gel and like the spines actually break and everything mm. like what they use in Mythbusters. So he did that with all the pain cans and I, he, he said, put, he, he, did, he did the maths, <laughs> he ran the numbers, it checks out. Did it? <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. So see, ran the numbers. Ran the numbers. Yeah. Fact. Those so, numbers, they've been run. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. I, I, I really liked Richard's uh, fact today. That was really funny. And it could be true. It might not be true, but it could be true. That's what's good about it. You can say anything's true. Well, Count Dooku has a, a curvy lightsaber, doesn't he? So he, he gets like a like a, a half <laughs> erection, but he's not he's not quite as old as Darth Vader is. Yoda's got a little cock. <laughs> what about Darth oh, Maul? What's he got? Oh, God. What? What about Darth Maul? He's got like a double ender. Well, we, his wife's a lucky guy. <laughs> Shall we move on? A lucky girl, whatever. <laughs> he might be gay, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. Right, let's talk. We're going to be talking about this week's film, which um, is me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is a 2015 American teenage coming of age film directed by Alfonso Gomez Region. Region? Yeah, sounds know, probably got one percent of that right, and it was written by um, Jesse Andrews, and it was based on um, a novel by Je- uh, Jesse Andrews in 2012. Uh, the film premiered at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival to a standing ovation, and I think that year it got um, the audience favorite and the critics favorite as well at, the, at that festival. So, like, yeah, it was very positively positively reviewed by critics. Um, so I chose this this week because I watched this a few years ago, and I found it really moving and quite affecting um, I remember like, being quite yeah, tearful towards the end and I saw that it came on Netflix recently so I thought um, it'd be interesting to do a rewatch and I think it's very different in style and tone to the and themes to a lot of the films we've done on the podca- podcast over the past couple of months so I thought it might be a nice change of pace um, it's not particularly original story we've seen this a lot of times before there's loads of coming of age films that deal, deal with similar themes you know high school um, girl dying of cancer um, you know <laughs> they're not unique but I think this film um, tackles them quite an interesting way so anyway that's my that's the reason I picked it so Robert I think you've seen this before and what is your opinions on the first time you watched it and why are they different the next time you watched it yeah this is the second time I've watched it um, and I think it was actually harder to watch this time because I knew what was coming I don't know how early we're going to spoil this, but I think it was harder to watch this time. I think I think we should just put out a spoiler alert because it'll be more interesting to talk about the yeah. film if we just talk about it. Yeah, yeah if, if people haven't seen this film, just stop this right now because you just go and watch it and then you'll come back. Um, so if our view, uh, listen, the uh, ratios probably just dropped off right now um, because I don't think too many people have seen this film, which I think is a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, I think the second time I watched it, I think it was actually harder to watch because I knew what was coming. But the thing, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I think the style of this film's great. Kidog, you said, you know, there's loads of like coming of age films that are out, um, you know, Fault in the Stars and, and stuff like this. But I think this one is a little bit more accessible especially for a 31-year-old man, white man, um, just because, I, like, the main character I can completely relate to. Like, he's fun. You know, he's actually he's actually a filmmaker as well, and that's what we are. They make films, and I, I really like that. But what I like about this film is, like, the style of it. love the, the camera movement. There's a lot of static shots, but with movement, like with pans and zooms in. Um, but then the there's some moments when the no not to move the camera and we're, we're just sitting there watching the characters talk and I think I just think that's 
it just works so well within this. But the main thing in this is the characters. I think the characters just work so well. Like says, I think as a what's the main character called? Uh, Greg. Greg. He's he's. I I find him so relatable. Um, and I think we've watched a lot of films recently where there've been a lot of cast members and a lot of cast members that weren't needed. I feel like everyone in this film was like so needed and they all have their own personalities and come across. Um, and yeah, it's not original, but I found it uh, devastating to watch. I think yeah. I, th- I think it just <coughs> devastates you. I think it's it's not original, but the, the way they, yeah, the, the style and the direction, I think made it quite unique and interesting mm-hmm. film. And it's quite, you know, people use the word quirky a lot, but this is quite a quirky film. And sometimes that's um, a negative thing. People don't really like quirk in film. But it, it, you know, I found it quite charming. Um, what did Rich? What did you think of the quirkiness? Did you? Did it charm uh, you? I hated this film. Did you? <laughs> uh, Which part? The, the quirkiness got on my nerves the whole time because it, it felt like they were trying to be quirky. Like the director was trying to be quirky. That was too self-aware. The, trying to make the yeah, I I didn't like the main character in this. I didn't find anything likable about him seemed like an arsehole the whole time that's in Um, my in my kind of um research for this it does seem to be split down the middle people seem to really like this or really hate the quirkiness of it so i'm glad i'm quite glad you didn't like it so hopefully it'll make more interesting chat when i was watching it i instantly thought this is a k-dog movie (laughs) (laughs) now it, it, it it reminds me of something like the squid and the whale you know it's it's domestic relationship sort of stuff um i don't know it's weird i felt like the, it was chock full of stuff that didn't go well together like like shreddies and gummy bears like i i like the concept of how they made loads of different movies together and i, I wanted the film to be about that mm-hmm. and it wasn't mm-hmm. and i also i cannot stand when people make movies about filmmakers like oh really it's it's so stupid can you not relate it's it's just no it's so like pretentious and like i'm a filmmaker so like i'm i've projected uh what my experience on on the main character he is essentially a younger version of me and it's like oh how am i gonna dress the set oh put can lights everywhere Mm. and like it's just I, I do. Ag- I do it's agree in that the place of personality. I do agree that this film is pretentious in parts, but um, I, I, I think pretentiousness gets a bad rep. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, um, I mean, and I think it, within that pretentiousness, there is like little like if it's like seventy percent pretentious, there's about thirty percent that's like really good. There's really good stuff in there. I'm talking it about. It feels like the guy watched one Wes Anderson film and went <laughs> right. I, I'm gonna have 45 degree pans. Yeah. Going to different things, and then it was like they watched, I don't know, like 500 days of summer or something. It's like, oh my god, quirky relationship of these people like doing funny things, and none of it, none of it seemed realistic to me. It all seemed forced and and far fetched. And then also like, I know she's like dying of cancer, and I understand like oh he's he's getting himself in there to try and be a friend because his mum's pushed him. But like, where, where are all our other friends? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, there's, she's, she doesn't have any. She doesn't have any other friends. Like, it's re- that's, that was that, a point, right? That's yeah. one of the, the strangest things to this, I think, is like, she doesn't have any other friends. 
Um, I kind of had to forget about that, but the reason I kind of like that quirkiness of it was, and that that him and Earl are like, at least the they've got a passion for something. Like the Earl is the one character that I really liked. Yeah. Earl is the best character. Yeah, it, yeah he, in the film. he is. It should have been about him because because he was likable. Cause yeah, he had the, if the film if the film was called problems, called, if the film was called Earl and the Dying Girl, that would have been a better film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some stuff we'll we'll, we'll get to, but um, yeah, like I I saw that there was some shots where, you know, they they did like an overhead, um, you know the the moment when the um, they're not friends anymore for like ten mm. minutes, yeah, and they go into the same place. It's what is it? It's like one of the teachers' offices. Yeah, and obviously they want to show this the physical separation between them. I thought that was quite clever. Um, but a lot of like the pans and like all of this movement, it, it just it felt like a Wes Anderson like parody film and not like not like influenced by it, but then putting your own brush stroke on it. It mm. felt like a cop out in that way. And to me it just all of the puzzle pieces just didn't fit together. Um there was like everything had its own little thing, but none of it really connected. And I was just annoyed. I was really annoyed by the the voiceover in this film because so, obviously it's by the guy that I can't stand <laughs> and then also like what like 30 minutes in like he goes oh yeah by the way she doesn't die it just seems like that's the only way the writer or the director could make the last scene powerful enough by by throwing you a curveball well he's an un- unreliable like, narrator isn't he you like like the narration is him actually like writing his that uh, college application at the very beginning. Um, so he's unreliable, which we, we, we do see in movies. Um, because I suppose you, you do expect her to die. And the first time I watched it, actually, I didn't I didn't expect her to. I think I was so into it. Um, I was like, this is going to like, it, she's just not going to. And that, that will be yeah. the curveball. Um, I do like... I, I like an unreliable narrator, especially when they're a very flawed character. But this guy just outright lied to the audience about what was going to happen, mm-hmm. and then rather than me feeling feelings for the end, I just felt frustrated that the filmmaker completely lied about the narrative. Yeah, I mean, but there's there's always a funny line with like voiceovers in films as well because you know, like, is it? I feel, I feel like sometimes it is a bit of a like cop out. It's just like, oh, you've got to use a voiceover to tell your story, but and sometimes it can work really well. Um, I mean, with this. Well, the film, voiceover was obviously from. He was he was talking in future tense, yeah. so he was talking to the past. Yeah. Well, in that case, he, why did he say that she doesn't die? Um, it's like oh, I it's, got you. It's based on his college application, so I think when he's writing that application letter, he's trying to tell this story and he's trying to make it dramatic because he's you know he needs to try and get into college. Obviously, he doesn't get in. She writes him the letter, a recommendation letter, and then he's got to write one. So he's trying to create a narrative think, within his application so he tells them that she's not and then you know that's why he writes at the very end the last person to watch this film died which i i, I really like that little note he put on the um on the film i think that's 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 a quirky yeah. moment that i was just like well we see that clever. we hear that right at the beginning yeah like he says that in his voiceover mm-hmm. so he says that and we obviously we know that she's gonna die so now we're leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But then he goes, oh, she doesn't die. And I go, all right, so I can relax. 
And well, then she the does die. I mean, it pulls it's the rug out like, from India. This is just frustrating. Would you not think that? Yeah, no, but I just feel like it's lazy. Do you not like, think? It's like literally going, oh, by the way, um, Indiana Jones is going to get hit by the boulder. And then just before he dodges it, he goes, huh, didn't get hit by the boulder. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, I, I quite like that. I do like the curveball of her actually, actually, um, like, actually dying in, in this. Um, I know it's been done a few times in terms of, like, these types of, like, types of films. I do, I, I really do like the fact that it wasn't, like, it keeps, it, keep, it does mention it twice or even three times about, like, you know, if this was a romantic film, we would, you know, we would um, be hugging each other and kissing each other at, at the end of, like, our life and stuff like that. And it, you know, completely switches back to like, and but this is not a kind of a romantic story. I'm kind of glad it's not. It's a bit more. I think it's a bit more accessible. You know, it's they don't have a romantic relationship. They're just mates, and that's perfectly fine in a film. Yeah, I I like that. The voiceover spoiled that for me because it felt like it was too um, aware of itself. Like, by the way, guys, this isn't. This isn't. Uh, your your Eddie ordinary granddad's film. This is going to be different. <laughs> yeah. And he literally has to use the voiceover in the film to say, "Look, this is different." Mm-hmm. But w- we could have just seen that it was different. Yeah. Like, why didn't they just write the plot different, and then we can just naturally go, "Oh, this is different from some other films." Mm. But he had to go. By the way, I'm going to show you what I'm going to show you. Door number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're not going down door number one, lads. We're going to go down door number two. He does that a bunch of times, and it feels, to me, it feels like, oh, I don't know, right? Because it's because it's about a filmmaker, so film terminology and all that crap, and it, and it's like, oh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna write a story that's different, and it's like it's being like patronizing to the audience. I think but most they, people, without being filmmakers, get a lot of film terminology and plot structure because they've watched plots happen their entire life and then it's like oh no this is different it just seems like a cop-out to me it just made me frustrated more than anything else i can see where you're coming from but i think that was not the point of the, one of the points of the film was to not make fun of but it's like a commentary on those cliched rom-coms that we have seen lots mm-hmm. of times like we said at the beginning this isn't a unique story so you had to do something to spice it up a bit mm-hmm. and so by saying and like i say he is a filmmaker and he's so he knows the beats of a film, and he's going. If this were a film, we'd be doing this, but we're not. We're doing this. Yeah. I, 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 don't know, I quite liked it. I know it was self-referential, and mm-hmm. I get what you mean because it, it is using the grammar of making films and plot structure, and like the part where something, something. And within the film, he's a filmmaker, it makes sense that the theme is around filmmaking. Within the film, he is he's writing the story, like he's writing this in real time, effectively to us. Um, I'll tell you what I what I wanted from this film, and it's made me realise. I wanted to see more of the alternative movies that they made, because that was obviously the most interesting and quirky and entertaining part. Mm. And then it made us realise, well, I've got that, and it's called Be, Be Kind, Kind Rewind. Rewind. So good, that film. <laughs> that film's so funny when they're making, like, And that the goes montage. in the direction yeah. that I want to see. Yeah. I like, how they made, and I like how they made those films. I think it was a nice, nice little touch to the film. Um, it was a bit quirky. They, see, that's another quirky, like, oh, I'm a filmmaker, because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to name as many quirky, arty, fucking shitty films as I can, and I'm going to change the well, name of them. The thing is, though, I think... He's, like, flexing I, on his on his knowledge in this movie. I think it's... 
I just like that he's actually interested in something though in this film he has a subject matter that like if this was a sports film like a basketball film he would know everything about basketball and oh, just- I, don't, I don't mind that it's the character who who watches all those films because obviously they set it up that them two was friends when they were little liked foreign cinema yeah. that's fine but it's it's from the filmmaker's point or the writer's point mm-hmm. it's like the writer has to know all of these films in order to cram it in yep. I see again it yeah. just feels like yeah. it's like saying oh, I know all I'm, these I'm films I'm going to flex my knowledge on this mm-hmm. But you know, I think that's like a little. Create a character who knows this as well. Do you not think that this film was aimed at kind of cinephiles who also like these types of films, and we get a little kick out of the reference to these films, and it's like little Easter eggs for us, so we get it on another level. You can see why. But we don't see enough of it. That's the problem. We don't get. We don't. We're not exposed to enough of those alternate films that they made. Do you not like how they you kind of wove the films into the storyline though? Like it wasn't just an add-on. Like you could just go. Uh, oh look they make interesting films and then they just randomly shove them in at any point they can and it just feels a bit jarring but then this way they, they kind of so, yeah. they weave the films into the storyline so they had to show show the girl the films and then I'd like you, to have you, seen you only see snippets of, them of it making them because like obviously they've made 40 of these films and we get we get a six month timeline and we don't really see them making that many movies which seems a bit strange that they would have made all these films yeah they made them in the past didn't they they only made one, I think, before they started making the one for, for uh, what, what's her name, the dying girl. Yeah. Um, that's what did what did you think about like um like the introduction to his world? So like we go, we go into like the high school, and he's he's obviously doing the narration. He's like he's figured out a way to just like blend in, and then he's like introducing yeah. you to uh, all of these groups. I really like that. Yeah. That's one of the massive positives of this. It's the fact that. It's like what well, it's like the opening image of this is the first five minutes we have to know who this character is, what he's about, and what he's missing in his life. Mm-hmm. And we understand that he's a coaster and he doesn't really have any friends. And he's found a really good, uh, quite intelligent way to make sure that he blends in as much as possible. Yeah. Which is, I think, I think in- it's really dynamic and especially the way they're short as well. That's what I liked about um, kind of the. It was a fast moving, you know, pace. I do agree with you, the sense of like it feels like a lot of different filmmakers' styles in one film. It isn't just quite one. It feels like it's a Wes Anderson. There's a bit of animation over here, and there's a bit that, but kind of like the way that they put all that together at the beginning, so he could introduce his world, and we just kind of got it straight away. And actually, the uh, dying girl. What is she actually called? Rachel. Um, she's introduced Rachel. in that like montage when. You know, um, he walks past her and he goes, oh, God, I hate tests. Something about tests. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. I thought that was like, that was nice because it's like, it just shows you that he kind of knows them is the, is the group, but he's never talked to them um, and he just bypassed them and then he eventually has to like, you know, interact with her and become a friend and they're actually quite good friends in the end. So um, I liked I liked Greg, the portrayal of the character. I thought the actor did really well. I liked, you could see that he wasn't like a complete loser. He wasn't really cool. He was just like that middle guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't really attractive, but he wasn't ugly. I mean, he mentions but, that. Know, for, Hollywood, if, for Hollywood standards. Yeah, he mentions um, that a few times in the film. <laughs> I understand all of that. I think what he doesn't get is being likable. No, he's not. I don't think he is. He's not. But do you not think that's, I quite like that. He's not an ideal character. He is flawed. He's self-centered. Yeah, he's narcissistic. Yeah. He's selfish. No, but you and can be most likeable teenage, without having t- to be. Teenagers are egotistical and selfish, things. aren't they? Mm-hmm. 
like teenagers are really annoying. Yeah, yeah I, 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 for me, it's like the, the filmmaker didn't do enough to make me root for the character. So from that, from the whole point of the film, I'm, I'm not on his side. So anytime he progresses, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. From and it's just because Earl was his best mate, and Earl was a really good character. Like he was really fun. He was obviously. A minority in this like massive white American community. He lived. He lived in the rough area. He became friends with the the, the filmmaker guy. Is it well, why are we why are we watching? I like John the me character, not the girl character. I like how their relationship is, is established. Greg? Like we, they don't have to explain because these are two very yeah opposite people. One's like middle class suburban. Uh, white kid, and then this other one that's from like the the dodgy end of the, the city. Hood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you just you just you don't question that the friends yeah. they do seem quite close which which yeah. which is really good and it's like it it you know with them you see them like really young and then how like with the like weird films and the, they do have this one connection with each other and sometimes that's all that you need at least the like it says they're, they're into something uh which which is I really like good. i like Earl was a really good like comedic relief character. Yeah, like he had some yeah. good like he if choked in every him, now and then with yeah, a really did, funny line. If you didn't have them but in then, this film, it would be like it would be super depressing. But he he's like kind of the glue. That's just well, he had yeah, he is the glue. Together. Actually, it's a good way of putting it. He but he had the, the good comic relief. But then when he needed to get serious, which in my favorite scene of the film, I think when they have it out on the street, um, he pulled that off as well. So there's like that character is so like instrumental to the plot. Mm-hmm. I suppose he's in the title, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, <laughs> what one thing that killed the plot for me, and at that point I was ready to switch. I would have switched it off, if it hadn't been for us having to talk about it today. Um, so, so he obviously like he annoys that goth guy because he's trying to impress the girls, and that's the, that's the spark for his downfall, isn't it? That's, people are starting to see what he's really like, and he's making enemies, and then he makes an enemy with the drug dealer because he. Mm. he he rats on him because he thinks it's the soup, but then he admits the that cookies. it was actually the cookies. Yeah. And then he gets in a he gets in a fight with them in the lunchroom. Is it the goth guy? And they get into like a headlock with each other. And at that point, I was like, right, he's gonna actually spill some some of his own blood to redeem his quality. He doesn't. Earl runs along and saves him, and then they all get kicked out. And it's like the f- the moment that he could have become. Like, but they say that in the like film actually grown up Rachel calls him out on all that crap yeah. Rachel's saying the only reason you're doing this is because your mom told you and the only reason you showed you your films is because Earl told you to do it and the only reason you're making a film is because a mate told you to do it like he is just a shitty character yeah. he does, I think he redeems himself in the very end when he you know, he was going to go to prom but then he goes and sees Rachel for that last time and um, then yeah the- that, that though it was, it was too telegraphed like we know that was going to happen you didn't know she was going to die, though. Like they should have. They should have. Well, yeah, because he literally told <laughs> us that he that she wasn't going to die. Yeah, but he's. Like, I, I thought when he was like, "Oh, by the way, she doesn't die." I'm thinking, but oh, they do okay, that. That's going to be really d- interesting to try and keep my attention, even though I know what the outcome is. Just it seemed like a very lazy red herring, and then the fact there's no narrative growth for the character because he wasn't willing to fight someone or become a better person. Earl had to come and save him, and I'm just thinking. Why is the camera not following Earl around? He seems like a much better guy. 
with with way more narrative growth. Well, I think uh, I, I think uh, Greg does have growth in the very end. I think it's it's like the final moments of it, and it's like when he finds you know the the last few bits of Rachel's stuff in that room and what the scissors were all for and 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 things like that. And then he applies to college. I think he does just have that final push of just like right, she was right. I've got to go and live my life now. Um, it took her to die. See that. I understand that. I get that. Like she has to die for him to realize these things. But Earl never makes the choice to do anything. He's he's just pushed to do absolutely everything. I mean, Greg, Greg, Greg. Yeah, the main guy. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying they they call it out in the film. It's not like unsaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just it just it it just seems like why would you write about this guy? Like why why is he the character? When he's not making the choice to do anything, like you could, you could have literally anyone who's well, just a well, let's, a, like a lazy who's going along doing these things. Let's talk about the the choice that he obviously has to. His 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 mother forces him into it in that scene when um, so he's in his bedroom and they they, they tell him about Rachel and then there's another scene later, uh, I think just after that when he's like on the phone to Rachel saying I'm going to come around and it's it's like a one shot and he goes up the stairs and the camera follows around, um, and he's on the phone. I think that's that's I think that's a really good scene in terms of like the filmmaking side of it and really dynamic. But it's actually I was watching um, some of the clips on YouTube of like interviews with the director and the cast, and that scene was actually going to be th- three different scenes. So he was going to be on the phone to Rachel. You were going to see Rachel's sides to that as well. Then you were going to have a scene in the kitchen of them talking about it, and then him not wanting to go, but the the, the apparently the the run out of time. So they just had to put three scenes together and you don't actually see Rachel's sides when he rings her for the first time. And it's I, I really like the, the, the blocking of that scene because he's on the phone, he's walking around, he's standing on the table at one point. There's two staircases in the house for some reason and they go up one, the mother goes on the other and then you see him in his bedroom and he really doesn't want to go around and he's like crawling on the floor back to his room and stuff. And um, that was three scenes and I was just like, I'm so glad it is just one. And um, they said the steady cam operator, well, I don't think it was steady cam at that point. I think it was just handholding it. He had to do it a few times. And apparently he was just sweating because they just kept adding minutes and minutes onto the scene. It was like, well, we'll combine this scene with this scene and then we'll add another scene on to get that little bit of information on. They just kept on adding a minute and another minute and another minute. And the camera was just like, yeah, I'll do it. But um, I've, I really like that. And I really do like the, the kind of delivery of that where it was just all one shot and there's a lot of one shot kind of scenes in this which is quite nice like just just to sit with the characters instead of cutting backwards and forwards i think that is a stylistic choice and i think sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it doesn't i think in this it really does um because it's just nice to just sit with them and be in the room with them get it all in one go yeah yeah should we talk about ruin that scene when he decides he's going to crawl back to his bedroom. Oh, I quite like At that. At that point, I was like, prick. Like, you're trying to impress your mum by being quirky. You don't, you don't have to be quirky in front of your mum. You can be quirky in front of people you have to try and impress or something. But throughout the film, he's never quirky enough for that to be a natural quirk. I think I think it's the character. I just think it's off, it's off character. No, I, I, I quite like that about him. Um, just because he is so, it is just so characteristic. I think it is characteristic of him. If you look at his parents, especially his father, which is classic. What's his father in this again? 
What's he called? Nick Offman. Yeah, like he's class. He always plays the same guy. <laughs> he always plays the dad who's uh, like just a little bit weird. Um, the other thing is like he offers, offers them like weird food throughout this as well and you randomly just see like a bag of green stuff in uh, Greg's like lunchbox, which is a bit weird. But um, that's a little bit distracting. Uh, see, I, I quite like that. I quite, I, I think it kind of fits in with who he is overall. It's not necessarily you know a good thing. thing. But when you're a teenager, when your mum was when your mum was like shouting at you, do you not want to just like crawl up in a bowl and just like crawl you just to your like, room? God, mum, and That's then just yeah, stomach like, oh, the stairs. Me alone. I thought that was like a good visual representation of that. Uh, it was just cringy for me. <laughs> it was it. I I I saw the filmmaker do like directing that, and I. It's, oh. I think it was very dramatic. It's a bit over dramatic, but I think I think for him. In that moment, I think it quite kind of suits him. It does. Um, I know, but this is the thing. He's a he's a coaster. He's a guy who doesn't get involved in things. He's he's beige, isn't he? He's magnolia. We do. He's not really into anything other than making films. But then all of a sudden, he's this super quirky, like haha guy. I'm gonna crawl around. Well, if you th- and it just for the guy who struggled to have a conversation with Rachel just before that, for him to then be this super quirky, like burst of energy. I'm gonna t- take the piss out of me, ma'am. For me, it seemed very uncharacteristic. I, I think I would either want to see more quirks or less big bursts of quirkiness and sort of just smooth it out a bit more. Well, I think when when we kind of get introduced to his world and he's going through um, uh, talking about the different groups, he does like interact with so many different people, and he is loads of different types of characters. So he knows how to yeah. interact with like the jocks, and he acts like a certain way. And then he's always got these like witty, like it's a very dry humor gags that he, you know, what's the thing about summer? What is it? Just more sum. And it's, it's, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have a problem with socializing. Like he doesn't seem to struggle with talking to people like a lot of teenagers do. He just doesn't, he doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, I think he likes it more than he probably lets on, which is, yeah, is it See, another there's big another form. line. What, what does summer mean? Is it just more sum? It's, but again, that, it's set, that, that it's line, set up. It's set up that he's just saying just that. Like it's filmmaker writing that line and being like, "Oh, that's that's quirky. Yeah. That's what a teenage boy would say." No, that I, he, I, I guess I would not be friends with this person because <laughs> he would do my head in. <laughs> yeah, um, the, and then the fa- he uses it twice in the film, which means that he's obviously rehearsed it. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's the point. Which, which that's again the point. makes him an awkward character. That's so the he point. Not be awkward and quirky at the same time. No, like he said, it's unbelievable to me. He said he doesn't want to form meaningful relationships with people, so he's—that's just his way of saying words without actually saying anything. So it is rehearsed. He says that to everyone because he doesn't want to have a meaningful relationship with them. Saying a sentence like that, you're not going to follow up with anything. You're just going to go, "All right," and then move on. Mm -hmm. That's that's it. So that's the reason it is rehearsed, and that's the reason they say it twice to hammer home that that's what he says to everyone. Yeah, I get that. I'm saying in contrast to the when he starts crawling on the floor and closing his door, it just seems like two different characters to me. Yeah, I say I quite like that. Um, so actually, what that's the other scene I wanted to talk about was like when he first goes um, to Rachel's house and they're sitting in the room. I mean, I think we'll, we'll probably jump on to a little bit of the cinematography at this point as well because when they first go into the room, it's like they're sitting on two either sides of the room. And the room's pretty big anyway, but uh, they use like a, such a wide-angle lens to uh, to show the space. And then, as we kind of get throughout the film, they, you know, 
we, we see them getting closer and closer. And I, I kind of, at first when I seen the wide angle lens and, you know, you get a lot of negative space as well in this, which I, which I, I think suits this, the style and the subject matter. Oh, you, see, that's another thing of the cinematography is it's like, right, we're going to do some Wes Anderson style and then we're going to do Little Miss Sunshine colours, uh, but we're also going to do negative space and no nose room. It's like you want it to be contrary to every possible thing in the film. It's like, oh, I'm going to do the opposite of what every filmmaker does. And to, the, the whole negative space thing was like this. I don't know why this is in here. And it was used in some cases where it didn't make any sense because there was no barrier between characters. It was just people conversing with each other. Um, so it's like he used it clever half the time, but then mm -hmm. seemed to not know when to use it. Yeah. So it's like, well, is he using it cleverly or is he just throwing it in there to be different? It's like the filmmaker's trying to be quirky and he would he would also be the guy crawling along the floor being like, ha quirky. I do agree with you there, actually. In my notes here, I've got, um, he has some really nice shots, 50% brilliant and 50% trying yeah. too hard. Yeah. Um, I, think, yeah but, I think there's too many styles, too many different, too many different types of filmmaker styles. But there um, is some brilliant ones in there. Yeah, I mean the, the I really whole, like the one the argument in the room is the one I really like, but it's one continuous yeah. shot and a single shot and the whole thing unfolds unfolds with them like looking into the camera. Remember that one? Yeah. Is, this, thought, is this where it's close up on Rachel and he's in the background yeah. and he's arguing, saying what you're doing, letting yourself die. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that scene. I thought, I thought it was really clever. I felt that, I that we just got a pan at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. And powerful. I forgot that it was one shot. I was yeah. just watching it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, shit, this hasn't cut yet. That's what, this uh, is wicked. That's exactly what Martin Scorsese said. Because <laughs> he's watching. Oh, really? Yeah, he did an interview with the director. Um, I don't know I don't know why he's interviewing people. He must be uh, low on work at that point. Um, <laughs> that's his YouTube channel. Yeah, that's his YouTube. <laughs> Him and Kevin James have got together. <laughs> well, he, the director actually like worked under Scorsese for quite a few years. Um, so they the kind of, they the did know each other. Um, but he says when he watched it, he, he forgot it was one shot. And I did as well. And I think that's that's when you when you know to put the camera down and just let the actors act. And I think it was, yeah. I think it was delivered perfectly. Um, I liked, I liked the different tension in there and the, the different emotion that came across, you know, he shouts at her at one point. It's like, you shot at like a girl with cancer, but he had every right to and, she was like a proper dickhead at that point, but she, you know, she. It was fair that she was, and she just says, "Just, just walk away, just leave the room." And like, he has, he has done a lot for her at that point because you see, you know, we see, yeah. we see him, see like a quick montage of like a couple of months passing and him opening the door to the car and then always going up to the room. And I, I like that passage of time. I thought that was like a really cool way to show passages of time, like show this similar shots and different times of deer and things like that. And um, But then we just got that scene and it was just quite wide, which I really liked about it. And they were separated again. But the first time when we're in their room, we've got that that super wide shot of like each each angle, and there's there's actually something quite nice about both of those shots. So, on um on Greg's side where it's super wide and he's talking to her, there's nothing on his background at all. It's just the wallpaper. But when we see her sides, you see like a dressing table and like all of the scissors on the wall, and you don't quite know what that is yet. And then it obviously reveals that. She was quite an artist of her, of herself, and she didn't express herself in 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 that that terms, and you don't quite get that, and but it's like hinted to in that scene. 
but with the wide angle lenses, you just there's a massive separation from them. It's extra than you would normally get. I think if you if you didn't use yeah. this wide angle lens, like if you use like a like a uh, like a mid focal length lens, like a fifty or something, you you would still get separation because it's quite a big room. So they just went to the extreme. And then as as we get like throughout that sequence between those two scenes, um, you know, we see them get closer and closer together, which is quite nice. So as there was there was definitely in, intention to those though, that sequence of shots, um, but like you were saying, there's a few do two different, too many different types of filmmakers, too many flavors. Yeah. So Christian said half of it was trying too hard. Yeah. I think that would be the my synopsis of the film, which frustrated me. Let's talk a bit about um this this right my favorite scene other than the the quick one shot when uh what's he called again Greg 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 yeah. Greg and Earl having a fight and they end up doing that nice overhead shot mm-hmm. um the reveal that she sent a letter to uh what was it Pittsburgh State mm-hmm. um saying he's he's done all of this for me will you help and then obviously giving him the book. I, I liked all of that. I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought that makes a lot of sense. And then we also get her narration for the first time because he's reading it, which made a lot of sense thematically and through the fact that it's through his eyes. Um, but I, I don't know. For me, the the whole book opening and seeing them on the on the, the steps, steps yeah. with the ice cream, I liked it. I thought it was a good concept, but I just I didn't see enough of her as an artistic person. To yeah. warrant yeah. that, it's quite and then the fact that he yeah. walks around the room and sees every single plot point throughout the film just given back to you. Mm-hmm. I understand that there was an interview with Rachel's mother saying when they, when her and her husband split up, she cut up all her books. Yeah. And I get all right, so that's the foreshadowing, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, it's just super artistic. Because then, okay, so Devil's Advocate might say. Well, she had loads of time. She wasn't going to school anymore. But mm. I'm thinking, yeah, but someone on chemo who's ill in bed all day is not going to have time to cut up 400 pages of a, of it didn't, a book. It didn't say that she did this during chemo. Just said, I think it implied that she's been doing this her whole life. Yeah. Well, she didn't, she didn't obviously do it before they'd met Greg and Earl. And well, that was that a one. pretty big book. Yeah. Well, so uh, you, to me, it just seemed like Okay, so is she, is she artistic? Is she boring? Is she sick? Obviously, she is sick, but then it's like, well, we're, we're being telegraphed well, that she's too sick to do most things. The, the main that that actually plot point is said by um, the uh, his teacher, who is uh, what's he called? The, oh, I can't remember what what's he in? The Punisher. Yeah, the Punisher. That's yeah. the guy from The Walking so, Dead. So the Punisher. Yeah, the, I mean the whole the main the main plot point of the story is you know he he actually says it and you get that i think you get in the office i really liked when he's doing these like hairy mentor speech which we see in lots of films mm-hmm. he is the hairy mentor in this and it's a zoom in on him and i, I it's a little bit of a track and a zoom in um and i quite I, I, I quite like that shot and obviously at the end of the scene he completely dismisses it and goes nah you're trying to teach a um a teenager something and he just goes away i didn't like that particular dialogue that he said in that i think it was just like just that just, line of dialogue was another element yeah. of you didn't need the to filmmaker say it. Yeah. saying this isn't the type of film look i'm going to be the opposite of what you expect yeah. by 
given this line to the to the character. Yeah, they really really didn't need to say that piece of dialogue. It could have been done just in purely in action. Because it should have been forced growth at that yeah. point. He yeah. needed yeah. something. But in terms of in terms of the speech, you know, he, he, the uh, uh, the Punisher talks about his father, and you know, he says uh, in the in the funeral, you know, he, he was learning more about him after they died, you know, and the, the, there was still growth there in terms of when this person passes, you know, you, you're going to... And it, it was a bit foreshadowing, you know, uh, for the books that he was going to find. He actually found out something yeah. about um, Rachel, the dying girl, that he didn't know before, before, you know, when she was alive. So that that was the moment, you know, it, it was foreshadowed in the film um, that he would find something out about her. And this this was it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of you, you're probably right about you know devils argued. Could you did you have enough time? Was she well enough to do this? I, I just I just think you know she at least she, she had to be doing something. Um, and I I like how quirky that these things are. You know, you know if she was still alive, you know she would have been great as an animator to help them make the films. You know she clearly was creative. You know, and it's sad that. These weren't friends before. This they had to come together as she was dying. Yes, it's forced to come together. You know, his his mother forced him to go and see her. And I really do think him as a character could have have a little bit of a redeeming moment where it was just like, well, yeah, I was forced, but now I'm not being forced to. That would have been nice to see from him, but we really didn't get that. Every moment, it, it does seem forced that he's always there to, you know, to because he's being told. Um, I really don't like think he's it was. obviously refused the call. Yeah, but not really refused because his mother's asked, and he's he's went. Mm-hmm. So there was no real refusal other than he doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah, but I I I do feel like throughout a, a a good section of the film, it's just like yeah, of course he wants to be there. He wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't be like yeah. you know that's it's pretty obvious. Yeah, isn't I just it? don't yeah. think he's re- really realised that, and I don't think she did until unfortunately our final final minutes. And uh, watching that film, what what was the strange relationship between Greg Earl and Mister McCarthy, so the Punisher, and the the idea that the they eat the dinner in his office? Um, I think it was. One of what did you think about that whole theme of the of the movie? Yeah, I think in those relationships, I, I think he's like a history teacher, and obviously they have like foreign film and like probably documentaries, and um, I think there's probably a close connection between that, and he's a bit of a like. What what's the 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 speech that he uh, the little catchphrase he has is like respect the research, so you know they respect the research because you know they've watched loads of films like loads of daft films and the teacher does as well. I think they're very similar characters, like very similar types of right. or, or minded in terms of the education. So I think that's just yeah. like which is nice. I think I think in films it's not an original thing where the main character is befriended like. One of the professors. One of the two, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is just it's a hairy very, mentor. It's hairy mentor, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's Morpheus, it's um, Mr. Miyagi, it's, you know, it's it's everyone ever. Gandalf, Gandalf. Yeah, like, it's, you know, the Punishers. Doc Brown. Yeah, and I I, I do like his his character in this. Uh, I do, I, I forgot he was in it, actually. I was like, oh, right, yeah, that guy's in it. Uh, the Punisher. So... But I quite like I found it funny the line where they where they get high and they're like oh the, the only thing we had that day was like your soup and like that cookie from like Chris the drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> ah <laughs> yeah I did like that 
Um, <laughs> that was good comedic timing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of yeah. the, the comedy in this is it's quite dry comedy, I think. Um, I, I, I like it. Christian said up top, it's like, this is probably 50% of people don't like it, and over 50% do, uh, just in, especially the comedy side of it as well, because it's like, is it funny? Is it, it's so awkwardly funny, I think, um, in some, some moments. Um, I think it goes... Sometimes, though, I feel like they go dry comedy, and then they, they step on their own punchline, because they then apologise for the dry comedy after. Mm-hmm. So, so, one part is when um, Greg says to Rachel that you should just play dead. <laughs> yeah. And obviously that's awkward. Like, you can't do that when you know she's terminal. But then the character then apologises for it and then makes a big thing in his head about it. And the comedy's no longer dry at that point because he stepped on his own punchline yeah. and he's apologising for a witty, ju- yeah. like a funny moment. Yeah. I think that, I think that might be slightly redeemed, though, because then she actually just pretend to end, like act dead yeah. which is then the comedy moment it's just like ah oh, right yeah you're allowed to do it i wasn't but you are <laughs> so um but yeah i mean it's yeah. it's just it's super awkward sometimes like it is between the character i quite like that cuz i think uh at that age you just especially in this situation i wouldn't know what to say you would probably just even say nothing. <laughs> I think that might be the best way. Um, or you'll just say something really, really awkward to her. Have you, have you watched the In Between Us before? Yeah, yeah. Not for eight so you know the 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 main guy Will, mm-hmm. the the guy who gets introduced to the school. Yeah. I thought that if if he was the guy to say, "Oh, you should just act dead," you would then get this moment where you can see in his face that he just goes, "Shit," and then you get this like real awkward tension. But in this, it isn't like that because it's like, oh my God, you've just told this girl that you should die. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. And at that point, I just thought that the joke was spoon fed. Mm-hmm. But then obviously the second half is that she does it. And I thought that would have been even more fun and more lovable for the two characters if that blah, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, can't believe you just said that, blah, apologising to the audience for using a cancer joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but if you had Hugh Jackman, you would. I mean, what? if you had access to Hugh Jackman, you would. Yeah, I mean, that was a surprise. I completely forgot about Hugh Jackman's in this. Is <laughs> Wolverine. I hope he's... Did you think that was just a bit weird? It was, but I'm like, that's that's probably one of the other things that you, you, you're really talking about as well. Like, it was so many different, I've got to, like, filmmaking things into this. It's like, I can like get it's, access... It's a lot, of, yeah. a lot of cards to play. And that felt like a... Like, Oh, I know Hugh Jackman. I'm going to get Hugh Jackman in to do this this bit. And he doesn't. Uh, to it me, doesn't come it, back. it seemed strange. Yeah. yeah, I thought you know it would have been funnier to get a moderately bad Hugh Jackman impersonator to do it instead. Yeah, it actually is Hugh Jackman as well. Um, he's not credited as Wolverine, which is a bit disappointing, <laughs> to be honest. Like it would have been funnier if it was a it was like a bad Australian accent or something <laughs> instead. Um. So, what about special and visual effects? What did you think of the uh, the stop motion that was kind of um, kind of appearing throughout the thing? I think the I thought it was a bit I thought it was a bit weird at first. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I like the way it, as it I, kind of more and more of it came I did like it and I yeah. think there was a big payoff at the end when you saw his film and it was all stop motion so mm-hmm. it was like a reason for it to be there I, I really like the style like of it like he was capable of doing it yeah I like the um, I do. I did like the metaphor that he used for uh, the other girl that's in this um, um, what's she called I'll try and find her name Madison so then like the metaphor that you know she just she stamps on he's like the little ferret or whatever and um but then at the end he kind of confronts her uh and you see um, the animation changes a little bit you know it, it was nice that 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 there was like a reoccurring thing it's like i would have liked to have heard hugh jackman's voice just one more time you know it's nice instead it of needed just, to become a pattern didn't yeah it? just or, or maybe not hugh jackman but maybe like yeah. other celebrity voices yeah to create a pattern. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have easily got Marty Scorsese in this. Like, you know, like they could have yeah. they could have hooked him up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like the animation. I like that it came back to it. Um, and, you know, in, in terms of the style of the fake films they make, um, Sockwork Orange class, really like that one. Um, you know, that was quirky. And, and, and if there were filmmakers, at least it showed them that was their film. They that's what they could do to their capability at that point. I'll tell you the other thing that I didn't like, and it's it's a mix between... <laughs> tell you thing. one more thing I didn't like. Here we go. Right. And it's, again, it's just like this whole, like, uh, like total pretentious classic cinema sort of thing. And it's like, so it's 2015. You've got these, you could easily just shoot on, like, phones, but instead they're shooting on, like, Super 8 film to make everything. And I'm thinking... You wouldn't be able to make 40 films on Super 8 film, but it looks more like a camera and it looks fun and it looks like, <laughs> that's, looks like that's, cinema. That's the filmmaker coming out here because you know how much it would cost. <laughs> it, it just, it, it's, and it like, it looks prettier. Like it looks more vintage and stuff. And it just, it, well, yeah, exactly. To, to a non-filmmaker, the, we would pass them by. They would go, well, oh, cool, that's like an old camera and it's a, it's a multi-tier lens I and mean, stuff. I mean, For me, I'm just like, that's, that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, they, do, they, they do shoot on the phone a lot. It shows the animation where it goes like over the head. That, I, I quite like that oh, shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a digital Bolex camera in the background, which is like um, a revamped um, 8mm digital camera which came out a couple of years ago. It's actually got like, I think it was a Kickstarter for it. It's got XLR inputs and stuff. It's just there in the yeah. background. Um, and I don't know if they used it at any point in this film. I didn't really. I reckon the director probably just yeah, yeah. Um, had it there. contributed a Kickstarter and put it in. Yeah, possibly. Um, so, but yeah, I suppose for us, because we are filmmakers, for people who don't know, we, we make short films. So there was a lot of references in there where I was just like, ah, I get that. But well, others, I, I understand why this did so well at Sundance because it's oh, it's man, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, yeah, exactly. I'm, if you shot on a phone for the most of the recreations, it wouldn't look as pretty mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be as Sundancey. Yeah, but and I get it. it. Just for me, it's very like it's very like ooh, up upmarket snooty sort of art direction. But unfortunately. You, that's what wins at Sundance. So they made the perfect yeah. film. So, but well, it, yeah. the thing is, after Sundance, it didn't do very well commercially. You know, this is not a fault in our stars, which I've never seen, but that did very well commercially because it was catered to the younger teenage girl, not not necessarily a boy, but a girl that was that was like pushed towards yeah. that demographic. This is, I think, this is more like Kidog said earlier. It is that indie, you know. 
kind of you know people who look out for these films and you know wasn't at the cinema so people didn't see it but it's people who like look out for them and try and see independent films like this and that's why it didn't do so well um but it wasn't never catered to like the teenage so market i watched the fault in our stars i was quite um i read the book and i really wanted to watch the film and it was quite a good film but it was it was very basic very like off the off the shelf um structure and yeah it was, it was definitely catered to a, a younger audience but it's interesting that those types of films do better than these more i don't know inventive ones yeah i mean people I, just I, like people just like uh what they like isn't it yeah people don't I mean, really want to be challenged when they go and watch a film yeah you can like like what you like um i just can we talk about the um the last scene then i mean the scene when she dies because I, I there's a there's a bit that he she uh, dies sorry she, yeah plot twist yeah she's actually alive <laughs> if you go post credits there's a post credit scene and he goes oh no she's actually alive and uh, he has Tom Cruise to tell you about how she's alive <laughs> hey guys that was, that was Tom Cruise good. here yeah like, so I got in my fighter jet <laughs> he's like in his fighter jet well I think like I think I, um, I watched like the interview when they were talking about that last scene with Mike, Mike Scorsese. You know, was interviewing him. Um, I mean, that would be the best person to interview. Like, you'll be petrified. Like, like it's already right, a normal person, like someone who always interviews celebrities for films and that. But Martin Scorsese just reviewing your film, I'd be like, I've always thought it would be really scary if you worked for a, like say like um like Variety or like a Vogue or these magazines. Yeah. And you do a, a YouTube interview with someone like Martin Scorsese, and you're setting up the cameras, like in, maybe in front yeah. of him. And I'm like, oh man, oh, God. I, is he gonna? Is, what's he gonna say about this? Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be like, I would only have one question, Marty. Can you just tell us about your film? And I would just shut can up. Can you help us? <laughs> help. Can you help us do this? Can you make well, this better, please? <laughs> in in that last scene when he goes to the um, uh, the hospital, and you know he thinks he's got a prom, and like you said, Richard, it's it's it is predictable, but I, I quite like I quite like the whole scene itself. He goes and and sees her for one last time, and she's really. I sick. liked all of that. I feel like it didn't need to be a a twist. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was, it was the lightest of twists. And then also, you needed to set up that the character Madison asks him to prom, mm-hmm. which again, it just it yeah. seemed out of character for both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she well, asking him? Or maybe is she is has she set him up to take him there? Yeah. That's what I was. But then it's never to. really implied that much. Yeah, um, I was. I, I, that's what I thought as well. Madison could have set him up to go to the hospital. Madison yeah. should have been in in the limo, and he should have picked her up, and then they should have went, and then he should have opened the door, and then he's like, "Oh, we're not here. Mm-hmm. No, you're at the hospital." I suppose, and then they go in. I suppose he does make that final choice to, for himself. He goes, "I do want to be here," and he hasn't done that throughout the entire film. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of been forced, and that's the whole argument he had with Rachel. Um, but is is he is he making? It does he make that choice? Because you don't see him make the choice. You see him mention Madison's address, no, like a bunch of times, and the other guy ignore him. Yeah, but um, you don't. You just hear. So is he you being just forced he, to go you, there? You just hear the address, and the address must have just been the hospital's address. So. That's 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 what I think anyway. Um, oh. but it didn't. It it sounded like a suburb. Yeah, it did. The... Yeah, it did. Um, 
I suppose he said it a couple of times and it was like I'm going here and then the limo driver's kind of yeah. ignoring him but like the limo driver's got it preloaded that we're going to go to the hospital it, so is he being forced to go to the hospital well, he already he already had the the film with him he had the film with him so he was going like it was his it must have been his choice otherwise he wouldn't have had the projector and you know that he took with him so all right yeah. okay um but in terms of that last scene the the director was talking about it to his mate Martin Scorsese, um, that he, he storyboarded it like to shot to shot. He just like he went went to town with this and went right. I've got to get this perfect. And he this and then it was one of the last things the shot. I think they tried to keep it for the end. Just and I think that's probably his best. I think that's if we were going to make you know something like this where it had this dramatic moment and she, she you know she she dies. I would want to shoot this last so you can build up to yeah. it and build up to it. And when they got a set, he says throughout the the process and stuff, he's just like, and the way they shot some of the other scenes, he just kind of threw the storyboards out of the window and just went, I don't need all of these shots. I just need the simple few that we do get in the the odd movement. But he says what was really unpredictable about uh, shooting this was the projector that obviously is flashing into the lens. And I really like Mm. that. I like the different changes of colours on the faces and how it's uh, how it's flickering and it just visually just looks great and then I think it's good because it looks like they're sitting in the cinema yeah um, which seventy percent of people don't like to do uh, um, <laughs> but and then you know we we're only watching it like a minute and then you just you know that's it for her she she, she coughs or something and she can't breathe and that, that's kind of the end of it and for me like the build up to that I knew it was coming the second time but I just I thought was because I, I was really into this film um, in terms of the emotion of that and that just completely got us again. So I think I think for the second watch for me it was just like it was still so powerful um, in in terms of their relationship and it was that was it like uh, he, you know. did did it affect you, Rich, or are you like dead inside? I'm I'm just like <laughs> this this film is like two hours long and. There was so many times where it it annoyed the hell out of us that by the time that was happening, I was like, is she actually going to die? You've told us she's going to live. You've also told us she's going to die. I no longer care. Mm, And I also think like, you know, I felt more in the first five minutes of Up and I understand the chemistry between the, the, the man and wife in Up and she dies in exactly the same way. And I just think there's a lot you can do there, and they managed, you know, Pixar managed to do that in five minutes with no dialogue. And how how am I not feeling anything mm. in I read, two hours? I read something because he should have just used a video camera. I read something interesting. Should have been more likable. I, also, I don't think the Rachel character's that likable either. There isn't enough of them being someone that I can connect with. There's just a lot of like you've got this guy and this girl. She's dying. And now they're going to be quirky together. And it, I'm just unconvinced, really. I don't think you're in the right um, headspace to, to get emotionally attached to this. <laughs> I, I just don't care. <laughs> I bet if I watched Up, I would start crying. Maybe. But the, the, I'm, I'm more annoyed at the filmmaker. I'm like, no, you do not deserve my tears. <laughs> <laughs> I read something I'm interesting about at this point because you've told us she's going to die. Then you told us she hasn't. And now she has. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I read something interesting about Up and that opening scene. 
And uh, there's an article about it, how they could have placed that first five minutes in the middle of the film and it would have made um, more sense and it would have uh, been a better film. Like that, this was their argument. Because that would, in the point in the film, like we're introduced to this grumpy old character with this youthful joy. And oh, then he's like justified for being yeah, and then the you, entire time. And then if you kind of, if there's a point in the film, I can't remember which point it is, if you showed that scene then, then you'd kind of be just have a wave of empathy that you would hit this character. Mm. And then it like flips it on his head and you've got a whole new perspective of him. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Well, we should probably watch more Pixar films yeah, we on the pod. Well, in terms of that would be edited in a different way. Let's talk about the editing of this film. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Did that? Did you uh, see I, that? I really, I like the montage stuff. I like the seasons changing. Mm, yeah. Uh, I liked all that stuff. Like in terms of, of film grammar and things like that, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoyed that. You know, the parts where it was like some days she was smiley and wanted mm-hmm. to talk, yeah. some days she didn't. Yeah. That, all of that stuff I thought was really good. Yeah, I, um, I like the... And there wasn't... I, mean, I, I like the... Um, do you know sometimes we we got a lot of shots and then sometimes it just stuck with the, it had no editing at all it was just one scene and one take one one shot and that, I really like that about it and I don't think um you know it's a, I like the balance of that um you're right about the you know you're seeing the seasons and her changing I think that was a really good way of sometimes she's really happy sometimes she's sick she's clearly going through treatment which we never see her get but we don't need to we understand that yeah um, I'm happy that we stayed in the perspective of Greg because mm-hmm. it's essentially it's his film and we don't we don't need to see her first hand mm-hmm. well I, um actually experience of it in terms of saying it's it's you know it's Greg's it's Greg's film um it's he's the main character that scene that I was talking about earlier when he rings Rachel and you know says it was actually meant to be three three scenes and you've seen her sides well the the they did run out of time but then he did actually you know they realized that well why would he's on the phone to her? Why would you see her side? Like Greg hasn't went to her house yet, so he's never seen it. So he's yeah. he's the one telling the story. So just don't see who. She, so we haven't introduced the audience to that world yet, yeah. so therefore it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, which is uh, which is really really nice. It's like it, it makes complete sense because he is the main character, and when we do get to because you'd have to establish her house and who's in it. Yeah what our room looks like and mm. then go to it because it was such an important set as well we're, we're there quite a lot you know he sees it for the first time and he walks in and then he's just like oh nice wallpaper nice cushions so you know we are seeing that for the first time as well so in terms of the editing of that i think that works that works really well um i, I like the pace of this i think it's for, for me it's it kind of it works we just get enough of the end as well like, about what's happening afterwards um and yeah i, I think it's now we're in, 40 i think so um do we talk about right we've got sound design um i mean i mean i think everything was just sounded sounded like sounds didn't it there was not nothing noticeable nothing like um outward mm-hmm. in the sound design no. at least not that i noticed no, and there wasn't anything i think that was one of the elements that the could have went really quirky with it and put some extra sound effects in. Obviously, you get like in the animation and things like Snatch. Yeah, like Snatch. <laughs> um, what about the soundtrack to this as well? I didn't even. I didn't notice it. A lot of these things I I couldn't notice because I was yeah. I was just annoyed the whole time. So I really, I really like I the soundtrack. I can't have an opinion. Yeah, I like the soundtrack too. I think it. I think it fit I, really well. 
I listened to it. I was in the garden today, like um, preparing for the pod, and I was listening to the soundtrack, which I normally do. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, really, really nice. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend sitting under a tree and listening to the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, um, it felt quite nice. It's like one of those sound. Normally, in these types of films, these kind of coming of age, cool teenager, cool, quirky uh, films, you've got quite cliched soundtracks. So you've got oh, these these kids are cool. So stick the Smiths on, or stick Radiohead on, <laughs> or you know, or whatever the kind of the modern day cool indie band is get one of them to write a song for it and put it on the soundtrack. Whereas this one, um, it was actually, actually a good cool soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like he dug deep, like that, that, that song at the end well, that was played over, over his film, like this Brian Eno track it is like such a beautiful song, like, mm-hmm. like peace. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I was very impressed with the soundtrack and a lot of the, a lot of the sounds, uh, the music they used as well was from the films that they were, yeah making yeah, yeah so you get you get that kind of nostalgia there yeah for, for those uh, for those films right the um the next question is <laughs> how would you do it differently uh k-dog i'm going to ask you first because <laughs> i think we know how rich would do it differently i'll tell you another thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree i agree with some of the things you said not all of them but i would probably die um pull back on some of the on some of the weird shots that he did and just Stick to I mean, style. obviously, you only know that you only know that in hindsight, right? You know that after you've made the film, you go, "Oh, maybe I should have done this, I should have done that." This seemed like a really good like first film where he was trying loads of stuff out. It's like it felt like a like an early Wes Anderson film where he hasn't quite reached his peak, but he's like, you know, he's getting there. There's something interesting in these films. It's not like you know the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's like one of his, you know, what was the first ones he did, Rushmore or something, yeah. or the Royal Tenenbaums. Like mm-hmm. it was one of the um. Yeah, like a, a good a good test for a future film. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's made since. I'd be quite um, interested actually I've to, got to see what he's here. done. He's done so he did a um couple of I think he did a season of American Horror Story before this. He did Glee uh before this and then afterwards he's done The Current War, which I haven't seen, and then he's produced The Current War. That's the interesting thing about the Current War. Um they pulled that. They pulled all the marketing, it's got so many stars in. Look at all the stars that are in it. Um, oh, I, I, yep. And they and, and they pulled it because it was one of the last um, what's he called Harvey Weinstein production. Oh, so it was right. coming out when all of that kicked off, and they're like, Boo. we just can't, Boo we can't Harvey. market this film anymore. Yeah. So they, they, there was no marketing for it. Is he dead yet? Despite the, f- sorry, is he dead yet? <laughs> Harvey? No, I don't think so. Oh man, I don't think so. It should be. <laughs> so they re, from what I know about it, they recut it in the past year. And they're releasing it online as like a director's cut, so they're like kind of distancing themselves from the first. The They're taking first all of the producer's notes. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to do the opposite of what he said now. Good, um, good, good, good. <laughs> but I suppose another thing, one of the things that I didn't like that no one's mentioned yet, is that she kept saying how ugly she was, and I'm like, yeah. she's just this gorgeous young girl. Yeah. And then even when she's going through treatment and she's got a hair shave she just looks still gorgeous and she's like I'm just so ugly mm-hmm. I'm just all ugly all the time well, and he's like oh I'm so ugly as well I'm just like no, I was hoping no, he that he would not. have the, the balls to wear uh, so like she goes oh, I'm really ugly I just I just wish people were honest I really wanted him to go you're so bloody ugly <laughs> yeah. and like have this thing where he just criticises her for ages like, it didn't happen. And I was like, "Oh man, been a, that's a quirk I would have liked." There should have been a joke about like having a bald head, like 
you know, just because he could have said that. Yeah, yeah. he could have called her like Chrome Dome and, yeah. and I mean, all of this. She she is Artemis in Ready Player One, if you remember. Yeah, remember another another ugly girl. Yeah, she's maybe <laughs> uglier than that. Well, for, for this film, um, they tried a, a ball cap on her and she said she looked like an alien. So she actually committed to shaving her head. Which is, yeah. I think, I think in terms of performance, I think it just it 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 probably helped her, and it helped. But didn't the, shave her eyebrows though. No, that's true. No, she didn't do her eyebrows. No. Yeah, but, she's uh, got eyebrows. That's one thing I notice now. When when like in cancer films, I'm like, oh, you haven't done yeah, your eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, you've true. got eyelashes. Yeah. 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 The um, but the the at first she said when she was shaving her head, she wanted to commit to it after she realised that the ball cap just wouldn't work. Um. So they like shaved a mohawk and she was like, oh, look, I've got a mohawk. And she was trying to like, as it was getting done, she was like trying to enjoy it. But then um, Greg and Earl, whatever their real names are, they helped to do the rest. So they actually helped to shave her head. So they were all in it together, which I quite like. This is what something I would probably want to do if it was making a film like this. You know, if the actor wanted to commit, have the other two main characters in there as well. And she said, like, as she was getting the last bits done, she was like terrified of it. And she she did it, and I think it's better for it. Um, if you watch it, it's any of like the press for this, you'd see her hair's quite still short. So it it was I think it was it was good that she did shave it. Uh, just look, because a ball cap can just you can tell you know in the uh, in the Breaking Bad film when Walter White's in it, like if you uh, and he's got a giant cranium. <laughs> yeah, like that is a that he didn't shave his head that giant, time for the, for the show he cramium. did. Yeah, for the show he actually shaved his head. Um, but that it just looks awful. It does, and you can just tell. So I don't think they've yeah. quite got ball caps right in films yet. So, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm, it's kind of. I think it's commitment to shave your head for for a film. I think even especially for a, a female um, character as well. But glad she did. Um, right. So I thought she was really good in it. Yeah, it was probably her and Earl should have just been. Chums. Why is it about Earl? Earl and the Dying Girl. Earl's wicked. That, Earl, it was, um, I watched another interview with him and that this is his first film he's ever done. He hasn't done anything before oh, this year. He says, uh, when he went to the audition, he says uh, he was so nervous. He says, didn't eat all day and he was su- super nervous and he ended up playing Angry Birds on his phone in the audition room, like just before he went in because he says he just couldn't read, read his sides anymore. He read them so much so yeah. he just played Angry Birds but he says it's, He's quite like that character anyway, so it was kind of just like an extension yeah. of himself. But he says the emotional parts that he had to play, um, like obviously when they're fighting and, and things like that, and obviously dealing with the subject matter, he says that was something he really struggled with and something that I think they all struggled with because they're all quite young when they made this. Um, and and the, the, it was like such a touchy subject matter. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think she did really, really well in this. I think it's such a difficult role to play and like... You can see when she is happy, she's like super happy. And then she's just like, she just gives you one look and you can see that she's just not having a good day. So kind of like that. Um, Rich, well, how would you do differently then? Apart from the stuff you said. Name one thing. You get one. Oh. Been it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now that we've spoke about it, there is redeeming qualities to this film, but they are few and far between. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, there is like chunks that I like. Yeah. There's a lot of like bits that I can take and be like, that is something cool that I would maybe like to try. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a puzzle piece, 
don't think it's complete enough for me. I think the yeah. a lot of rough edges and then um, just the I don't know. It, now that you've talked about it being at Sundance and stuff, I feel like they made this film to be a Sundance yeah. winner. Yeah. You could, and I hate it when things are created just for creating medal yeah. or accomplishment. Like it didn't seem like he was making it like for himself. He's like, oh, I'm gonna get all the things that make a Sundance film win, yeah. and I'm gonna put them all together, and Christian's gonna love it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think you could. It's it's a good blueprint. I think you could take it as a blueprint to to make a Sundance film. Um, I think with the you know the the old films, the reference and things like that. It, I think people at Sundance they do like that. I mean, I do like that in this. I, I quite like the nostalgia of that. I think well, I'm a. As, as you know, I'm quite a nostalgic person anyway, um, so this this appealed to me as well. Um, in terms of how I would do it differently, it's I think I didn't realise before we start talking about it is about how many of those filmmaking tropes that are in here. Uh, not filmmaking tropes, but how many different types of styles that they're trying to fit into one film, and they should have just really committed to one or two instead of five or six. Um, you know, there's a- or make the esques that they try to copy like outward facing yeah mm-hmm. so as well as making the the recreations the, the sock puppets and stuff like that the 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 the, the Wes Anderson style and mm-hmm. whatever style they should have made it so obvious that that was their style that that would have become another pattern of the film yeah. but they try to hide it as like an organic thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah I completely agree I think there's, there's there's a few too many I think in terms of story I really like it um I think as I've said, I really, I, for some reason, I just fell into it. Especially the first time when I watched it, I was just like, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I was kind of, I like, you know, it is difficult sometimes when you just can't get into a film. And I always feel when I've watched something and people have said it's really good, and like, I just didn't get it. Like, I just, I just wasn't yeah. in it, and I feel really sad when I don't get to that point. Because you always want to... I wish I could like yeah, this film as yeah. much as you have because then I would have enjo- uh, yeah. been another film I like. Well, that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? If you don't like it, it's like, oh man, I didn't like it. Like, but it, and it's like, I think we, we've spoke about this before, you know, when you're, you're having an argument with someone, then you realise that, actually, yeah, I do agree with you. Now we're both right. It's like, it's like, it's like that. But, and when you can't quite get there, it's like, I do, I do get it. But um, if, from some of the points you've said, I'm like, all oh, right, yes. I've only watched this and thought about it in my head. Most of it is... It, most of the things I didn't... Right, so... There's a few things we've we've spoke about now that is like... Yeah, the the fault in the film. And we're all all agreeing some some things like that. Like, but K-Dog said, like, some of the shots feels like he's trying too hard. And there's some elements that are a bit strange. But I think most of the stuff that I didn't like was just taste. Yeah. And because of that, I couldn't watch the rest of the film mm-hmm. without having that bad taste in my mouth. And I, I don't know what that is. It's, it's oh, I don't well, know. I, it's a strange one. For example, recently I've um, uh, one of our friends, Ed. Um, he's actually been on one of these podcasts before. I think. Did we release that one? You might have anyway. But he, no, it was a really good episode. <laughs> and then we got forty minutes in, and the guys next door started playing on the drums. Yeah, so we couldn't finish the. Well, recording. they're gone now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See you later. But he, he's they're not dead. We're just <laughs> not in the building anymore. <laughs> well, well, he's been suggesting loads of films to us, and um, he likes, you know all of the super alternative films that, you know, that I would never normally watch. And I like when I get suggestions like that and some of them I've really liked and some of them I haven't. So I watch Mean Streets and we were actually going to do Mean Streets for the pod and I just hated that film. 
It was boring. There was nothing that went on. There was no redeeming qualities about anything about it. But I know people that really like it, and I wish I did we really like it. we were going to do that, and you watched it, and you were like, we need to do something else because we're not going to be able to talk about it. Yeah, it would have just been like a proper, like, it would just would all have hated it, I think. And I, like, I'm gutted because it's always been on the list, and you actually see a Mean Streets poster in me, Earl, and the Dying Girl in the background. Um, so Saying that, I, uh, the first time I watched The Godfather, couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was boring and slow and I didn't understand why it had so much hype. But then have we done it on the pod? Yeah. We've done it on the pod, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. I've watched it four or five times now. And this. every time I watch it it gets better. We need to do the second one because I've never seen the second one, so second one's oh, the better. The second one's good. Yeah, the second one's really good. Yeah. And it's got De Niro in. Mm. Um so maybe ask Ed how many times he's watched Mean Streets. It might it might be a slow Burner that you have to, yeah. You have to start to maybe like, grow grow to like the yeah. the people, well, the, the, or maybe like there's so much involved that if you watch it the first time, you then don't have to concentrate on yeah. certain parts. Yeah. I think that that was one of the things. Um, the next one I'm gonna watch from a suggestion from him is, is Apocalypse Now, but I know he's, he's he says watch the extended version, um, just because there's like this. He says the scenes are just drawn out, and I'm like. Do I really want to watch the extended version if the scenes are drawn out? But um, our friend Ed, uh, he, I think he's watched a few of these films when he's been a little bit, um, what's the word, stoned. <laughs> he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> I was chatting on the other day and he's, he's, he doesn't do that anymore. But I'm like, did you just watch these films because you were high? <laughs> well, he, he said he was like drunk and high at some point yeah. and he watched the trailer for Terminator 5. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a, a custom fan film recut yeah. of all the other Terminator films. He put it on for us. Oh, Terminator Five uh, trailer trailers out. This was before like all the newest Terminator films. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I was definitely a bit intoxicated. Yeah. So, so, some of the shots of it's like Sarah Connor in a TV show called Chuck, like which came out like five years ago, and someone's just put like a, a, like a, a blue tint on it, so it looks like the Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> They've got, was it Linda Hamilton from the other TV show where she's yeah, a bit older? Yeah. yeah. Um, right, so the my favourite question as always, is this film in The Matrix? Well, we spoke about The Matrix earlier and about how, like, if you could pay money, would you watch The Matrix in the cinema? I would definitely do that if it was in, like, super high quality. Mm-hmm. Um That is as much in The Matrix as this film will ever be. <laughs> I would say it. This is not in the Matrix, but the Matrix is in this film because one of the oh. films that they make. Oh, that's good! <laughs> oh, he's done it! He's, he's done, done it, it lads! Is, uh, it's it. called the Fake Tricks. Nice. Have you that's got the list their, of That's films? their spoof. Have you got? I have. Yeah. All right. That's um, so. In this film, obviously, they make loads of different films, and actually, I've got the, the list cre- of forty-two in the credits. Of they're actually in the credits as well. Um, so this is actually our trivia fun facts and fan theory section which we don't normally have much for so go on K-Dog don't have a jingle for this unfortunately well which one I'll say the fake title and you tell me the real title and a lot of these are very obscure that I'm pretty sure I know which ones you do and don't know so I'll I'll go with the more obvious ones first yep so yeah Raging Bullshit that's the that's the (laughs) Raging Bull um, eyes wide butt, eyes wide shut. Okay, that's eyes wide shut. <laughs> uh, uh, senior citizen Kane. That's obvious. Yeah. 
um, rear window, you know. Oh, very nice. <laughs> you know, a different type of rear. <laughs> uh, crouching house cat, hidden house cat. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, the janitor of Oz. Nice. The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, scab face. Scarface. Yeah. Um, what are the ones? It's a Punderful Life. Nice. 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 I saw one that was in the film that was like 423 Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, that's 248pm Cowboy. Instead of Midnight Cowboy. That, that was a yeah. good one. I like that. Maybe we should do that on the pod. That was like... It, apparently that's like an X-rated film right. because back in the day they had like willies and sex and that. So <laughs> you want to see willies? I've got um, the Mean Streets one. Is yeah. that wrong with looking at some willies? <laughs> <laughs> Do you but... not look at it when you have a wee? <laughs> Do you use tongues? Yeah. <laughs> Still look. Mate, don't even look at it. <laughs> Can't look at it because it means you're gay. <laughs> don't even, don't even touch me or not, big one. <laughs> So this is this is what happens if you're still listening when we get to a, a one hour and thirty minutes into a podcast because sometimes we we just get past an uh, hour but when we get to one hour thirty it gets to the like the way how long it's been an hour mm. it's past the watershed yeah, so is, yeah. we're allowed to get a yeah. bit naughty. Go on, All right, I'll give you I'll give you three more then. We'll... Uh, just to people listening, there's layers of irony on top of that homophobia. By the way, <laughs> I'm pretending to be someone who's homophobic. I'm not homophobic. <laughs> I'll give you th- I'll give you three more, then we'll wrap up. Because I didn't realise it was an hour and a half. All right. So a sockwork orange, that's a big one in the film. That was good. That was I like that. Um Did I tell you what the Mean Streets one was? Grumpy was... cul-de-sacs. <laughs> yeah, grumpy yeah. cul-de-sacs. You know, I saw that. You that know, was that, good. that just describes the film, I think so. Alright. And this one, Verd He Go. <laughs> Verd He Go. Yeah, I've seen the poster for <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> Vertigo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was um what? some good ones. Alright. Anything or else we've got to talk about? That's what's our final thoughts? Fun facts, trivia. That was it, I think. Um that was that was the segment. My only fun fact was like she actually shaved her head, which I think is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. That is yeah. impressive. Yeah. So we need a rating system then. So what is the rating system for this? How many earls? <laughs> <laughs> how many uh, more earls how many drips of ice cream on the pavement yeah are we gonna get any squirrels squirrels in oh, there that's, that's a good one yeah um, I'm gonna give it um, I really like this film so I'm gonna give it like 8 earls out of 10 yeah I agree I, I think this is an 8 earl out of 10 film an 8 earl 8 earl Rich Rich, <laughs> right? If you want to reach us, on, uh, email <laughs> no, no, like no, 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 go for it, man. I get it. I mean, does ah right? Okay, let me say it's it's uh, it's went up in value since watching it. So talking to you guys, you've convinced us that there is some redeeming elements to this. If I watch it again, I'll probably look out for them. You're not going to watch <laughs> it again. I'm not going to watch <laughs> this <lie>. again. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch. I mean, what did what did I give the squid and the whale? Oh God! Uh, like like a five, five tentacles, I think. Five, just like average, <laughs> five tentacles. Oh, no, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give. 
I'm going to give this a, a four. Oh, right. Okay. All right. That's all right. It's, that's right. expected. This, yeah. This film's terminal. That's, that's, I mean, this film is me, Christian, and the guy who doesn't like the film. Isn't it? Really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I wrote that down, by the way. Like, I wrote that down about 40 minutes ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to put it out there. You waiting to shoot oh, that oh, one oh, out? Yeah. <laughs> You needed to write that down. Yeah, because it was 40 minutes ago. I was just like, God, this is this is oh, going man. out of it now. Like, but um, no, I mean, like, I really like this. I will watch this again. Um, and I actually will tell other people to watch it. I don't think you'll do that, Rich, but um, I'll, I just, yeah, I'm still, no, I'm, I'm still sticking by it. A, I think there's a certain type I of person, a blockbuster, does something like this. There's a certain type of person that likes this, like a certain type of movie taste mm-hmm. that I'll go, Oh, you'd love this film. And um, yeah, you're not one of them. Yeah, I think I think if yeah, and I would much rather watch something like like Transformers. <laughs> I honestly think Transformers is a perfect. Yeah, film. Transformers is it's it's a perfect film because it's catered for twelve year olds, and I wish it's, I was twelve. It's exactly what he set out. To but make. you could say that for this. This is the perfect type of film for pretentious oh, little yeah, assholes like me. <laughs> 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 I'm going to give this eight out of ten pretentious little assholes. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, you was front row at Sundance. You would have been absolutely <laughs> you know, buffing in your shorts. Yeah, I started the standing ovation. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. See, okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, cool. Like I wouldn't have, I would have went with Christian, Not for me. and then went, "Ah, you were right, Christian. Like this was, this was going to be class. You said this was going to be class, and I agree with you. So <laughs> on this one, I agree with you, K Dog. So mark that, put that on the timeline. Is it? Is there any films that K Dog suggested that I like but you don't like, Rob? Um, I don't know. We'll have to go back to the tips for that one. Because I think on like on the on the on the spectrum between like Transformers and this, <laughs> you you're like you hover. Yeah, I do. Between... I do. I do hover quite a lot between like these types of films and like the major blockbusters because I I like. The thing is, one of my favourite films is Interstellar. You just know this, we haven't done it on the pod, and like, I just love the technical side for that. But you know one of my other f- favourite films is American Pie. <laughs> like, you can't get, yeah. you can't get, like, so opposite. Um, so, like... So, is there anything, is there anything that K-Dog suggested that I like, but you've scoffed? I don't know, I'll have to have a, I'll have to go back through the list, list on that one. I can't remember what I've suggested now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah... For, I mean, for this film, I just because did K Dog like American Pie? I like he, American Pie. He, he did, I like most films. He did. He did when I convinced you. If you haven't listened to American he Pie, he won't. He won't admit it though. If he's if he's sitting in in the cinema at Sundance, he'll not turn <laughs> the face next to him and say, um, "Richard told us that I need to do this, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I'll, you would never admit you like American Pie yeah. to Martin Scorsese." I think I think American Pie is a perfect movie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think it's, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, well, everything's it's definitely a, worth everything's it. a perfect film for someone. Yeah, that's true. But nah, there's not, man. Some films are just shit. <laughs> mean Streets <laughs> didn't like it. It's me, the good Squid in the Wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that was just. I mean, I get it, but yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I can quickly go through the list since we're, we're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, see if you can spot anything that um, that you didn't like that K Dog yeah. suggested. Do the outro, and by the time you've done that, I'll find something. 
and then we'll just yeah. Richie, do the outro. All right. Well, um, if anyone wants to reach us with any fun facts, queries, questions, or just wants to have a chat, whatever, um, the filmlook at gmail.com is our email address. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the filmlook. Um, and we've got a YouTube channel as well. So if you've stumbled upon the podcast before stumbling upon the YouTube channel, um, we have a YouTube channel. It's called The Film Look, and we make we make uh, drop filmmaking knowledge bombs based on the short films we make. So we, we make short films, and then we show you all the different elements that we've learned and the mistakes we've made, things like that. Um, I'll not say goodbye yet, because... Yeah, I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, <laughs> no fluff. Who, I think... Um, did you mention the Big Lebowski kid, dog? Yeah, I think we. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, I think me I've... and Rich both hated that though. <laughs> um, so, we, but, no, you, you did suggest. Um... <laughs> no, I think you 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 were like <sighs> par on it. No, I don't like it. And now. then I came and hated it and convinced yeah, you. Yeah, you convinced us. I didn't. You were like, like at the end of it, you were like, "Ah, it's shit." Yeah. Um, no, but Felma and Louise. I think I really disliked that film. But, oh yeah, yeah, and you yeah, liked yeah. it. But that's a Tony but Scott I film, think, isn't it? I think I might have even convinced you that you didn't like it as much as you did, Rich. So, because um, like, it, yeah, it just it just turned into like this weird action film at the end, and I was just like, eh, what's going on here? Yeah. It was this like I think sweet buddy cop kind of driving along, and then they just all of a sudden start shooting everyone up. Like, what was all this about? <laughs> what What were your opinions on True Romance? Um, I quite like True Romance. There was there was uh, bits that um, I thought were over the top. Um, it was definitely Quentin and Tarantino esque. I don't think you would have probably. I don't know if you would have liked it, but um, I I I kind of. I liked it. I yeah. watched it. Yeah, I liked the spectacle of it. I did. Um, I thought it was. It took the quirkiness to the next level. So you're just like, all right, we're in this weird world. Let's just get on with it. Um, and it yeah. was all quite consistent like that. So yeah. It was it was weird because it it's a it's a Tarantino world but painted by Tony Scott, mm-hmm. so it, like it feels like we're watching a Tarantino film, but but th- there's Maverick and and Goose just over there yeah. and playing with the boys is is on, yeah. yeah there were some bits where I thought were a bit far fetched but I mostly liked it. Yeah. A lot of smoke. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that was Rich's review of. Um, true romance. Yeah. Insert that in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Canny. Canny good. Which we which we did um, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a few weeks late. <laughs> right. Is there anything? Is there anything you've spotted other than oh Thelma and Louise? Just, Was there any anything else? Uh, didn't you like Annie Hall and Richard didn't? Or did I you both like hate Annie Hall? Hall? Uh, I think I quite like that actually. Yeah. I did. There you go. Yeah. I think I liked the awkwardness of this. Is this just a, ra- a, a round recap of like all of the ones we did? A round recap <laughs> yeah. of the Filmwork podcast, yeah. I should have left me... Jo- oh, well, never mind. Yeah, I should have left me joke till the end instead of doing it earlier. <laughs> anyway, I'll not do it again. I'll do it again. All right, so yeah, so th- um, this please, was, this was, please aim- This was me, uh, Christian, and the guy who doesn't like the film <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Eee, man. <laughs> so quicky. <laughs> right, let's. Yeah, let's uh, stop email us, filmlook. We've already done that. Gmail.com. The filmlook at, female, at female.com. Gmail.com. Instagram, Twitter. Get in contact. We want to know what you guys think of the pod. And we've also obviously updated the pod and we've stripped a few things out and we've 
we're extending the pod. We're just having a casual chat now. So if anyone wants to uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. If anyone wants to phone in, because apparently we're still here, so you um, <laughs> you might be able to contact us. All right. And until next time, goodbye. goodbye. See you there.